Good afternoon. And today's devotion follows directly from yesterday's Easter message. Uh, The big idea today is don't receive the grace of God in vain. But before we jump into our passage, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, I want to pray for us. Father, thank you for your grace. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to receive it afresh through your word together this afternoon. And I pray that you would please help us not to receive it in vain, but to receive it in such a way that it makes a difference and that it bears fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And we'll start by just reading the first two verses. Paul writes, Working together with him then... God is who he's talking about. Working together with God then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, and here he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So don't receive the grace of God in vain. That's what Paul wants to impress on the Corinthian Christians and the Holy Spirit by virtue of this being in Scripture wants to impress upon us. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. He says, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. All that grace we talked about yesterday during the Easter message based on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus' death and payment for your sins, Jesus' resurrection, and all the forgiveness and mercy and grace that God extends to us through Jesus. He says, don't receive that in an empty, fruitless way. Don't receive that in such a way that it makes no difference in your life whatsoever. Now, how might they do that? How might they receive the grace of God in vain, and how might we receive the grace of God in vain so we can make sure not to do it? Well, let's continue on as he he does, quoting Isaiah. He says, For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So he's quoting Isaiah in this passage, and it's a passage that has to do with God bringing his people back home from exile. And he's saying, behold, I I have acted, I have come through for you so that you can return from exile. And can you imagine God's people hearing that and saying, well, that's great news. I'm really glad that God's going to bring us back from exile, but then staying in exile and not reacting to it, not responding to it. That would be receiving God's grace in vain, hearing that great news, even expressing gratitude for it, but in no way responding to it in a way that makes any difference, just staying in exile. Paul's saying, don't just hear this stuff, be helped by it, be saved by it. I've used this illustration before, um, but I'm counting on your memories being bad like mine is, so I'm going to use it again. I think I've told you before about the tuition reimbursement that I was supposed to have received back in college. This was right after Meredith and I got married. Uh, Many of you know how tight finances can be when you're first starting out, especially. 
and they were tight for us for sure. Uh, I was working multiple jobs. She was working. We were trying to pay for school, all these things. And I got a letter in the mail saying that due to some kind of a grant that the school had received, they were going to issue students a tuition reimbursement. And my tuition reimbursement was going to be $1,000, which was huge money, especially back then. It was great news. And so I, you know, I hung on to that piece of paper and put it in my shelf with my other papers. And I messed around and in my busyness, I missed the deadline to go to the registrar's office and fill out the piece of paper I needed to fill out to receive that $1,000. I missed the deadline by a couple of days. And I went frantically to try to see if they would be gracious and let me get in on it, but it was too late. The deadline had passed. I did not get my $1,000. I would be $1,000 more wealthy right now, but I received the grace of that tuition reimbursement in vain. I celebrated it. I hung on to the sheet of paper, but I didn't respond to it. I didn't act on it. And so it was empty to me. It was as if it never was. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm still a little bitter about it, as you might be able to tell. So it's clear how I could have received that tuition reimbursement. I, I would have gone to the business office and filled out the sheet of paper, and that was my response. Uh, it may not seem quite so clear when it comes to the grace of God. What are we supposed to do in order to receive it in a fruitful way and not a vain, fruitless, empty way? Uh, it really is clear. The Bible makes it clear. Our part in this transaction of receiving God's grace through Jesus Christ is to repent of our sins, turn away from living life our own way, confess those sins to God, just say with him, yes, I acknowledge that I am sinful and in need of forgiveness, and then receive the grace and forgiveness, which may for you mean stop trying to earn it with good works and being religious. Just receive it based on God's free gift through Jesus Christ. And then enter into that new relationship with God that we talked about yesterday. That's where prayer and Bible reading come in, being part of the church come in, growing in responsiveness to what God is going to be telling you as your father now in this new reconciled relationship. That's how you bear fruit as a Christian. Unfortunately, many uh, receive the grace of God in the same way Paul was worried that the Corinthians might. They receive it in vain. They hear about it. They think it's great. Uh, they, they even hang on to the Bible and they file it away someplace. And if, if you ask them, they would say, yeah, I think it's awesome that Jesus died for my sins and he arose from the grave. But it makes no discernible difference in their life whatsoever. And they go on living as if none of that's true. And they receive it, therefore, in vain. They're not helped. They're not saved. They're not actually reconciled to God as Father. Paul here is appealing to us and the Corinthians, don't do that. Don't receive it in vain. Next, he says, we've done our part. Paul says, we've done our part, and now it's up to you what you're going to do with it. Verse 3, he says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Here, Paul is saying that he has done his part. And I think um, by virtue of Paul writing this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's God saying, I've done my part. It's Paul saying he's done his part. It's Scripture saying it is, 
has done its part. It is now up to us. We have put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. Paul's saying, we have ministered very carefully to you in order to give you the very best chance of a fruitful reception of God's word. If you remember back through the first five chapters of 1 Corinthians, you'll kind of know what he's talking about. He has told us already that he has ministered in simplicity as opposed to using underhanded ways. He has ministered in sincerity as opposed to using cunning and tricky craftiness. He has ministered in the grace of God uh, as opposed to imposing legalism on us. He has ministered by depending on God as opposed to, uh, to depending on himself. He has ministered by the open statement of truth, just plainly stating the truth about Jesus as opposed to tampering with God's word. And it's not been easy, which is the point he goes on to make in verses 4 through 10, which I'm going to read in its entirety, but I'm not going to comment on it very much because it's just too much in there for a 15-minute daily devotion. But I would encourage you to return to it and read this list. There's 28, if I counted right, there's 28 points he makes about his ministry, just reminding them that he has done everything he can to get the grace of God to them without hindering their reception in any way. So let's read what he says. In verse 3, he says, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. In verse 4, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. There is so much in there. I listed it all out in my prayer journal this morning as I was preparing for this and praying over all this. And um, Paul really gave it everything he had to get the grace of God to the Corinthians and by virtue of it being canonized in Scripture to us. And he does not want us to receive this grace in vain. Act on what you hear. Act on the ministry that God extends to you through Scripture, through the Apostle Paul, through ministers. I would even say through me, as imperfect as my ministry is, through the other ministers in your life, act on the grace that God is extending to you. Don't be like I was missing that tuition reimbursement because I didn't act on it. I didn't respond to it. For some of you, this is the big missing step that is leaving your Christian life flat and lifeless. Uh, You may hear God's word, and maybe you may feel something or you may learn something, but you don't respond in obedience and adjusting your life. And therefore, it 
is empty. The, the grace of God does not have its fruitful effect in you. Incidentally, this is why some people bring their Bibles and take notes during church services. Some of you, I think, might wonder, like, what are people writing down? Are they just writing down verbatim everything that the passage says or that Pastor Matt says? I suspect that they're writing things down because they're intending to try to respond to it. And obviously, you're not going to remember everything without taking some action to try to remember it. I, I see that as a sign of taking it seriously and not receiving the grace of God in vain when people are taking notes and genuinely trying to figure out how am I supposed to respond to what I'm hearing from God's Word. So this is um, familiar territory to some of you. Some of you every day receive God's Word and respond to it and uh, receive the grace of God in a fruitful way. Some of you, this is new territory, but you want to try to grow here. And I have a little challenge for you, a little um, assignment to try. What I'm going to suggest is that sometime today before the sun sets and the day gets away from me, before you get too sleepy, read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. It's, it's probably the next section in your Bible if your Bible is divided up by headings. Um, well, not the very next because that skips verses 11 and 12. Uh, and 13. But anyway, start at that section, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. It's just a couple of verses, but try to receive that passage and the grace of God offered to you therein and respond to it rather than receiving it in vain. And I'll give you three questions to ask of the passage so you can try to do this, especially if this is new for you. First, read it. You may have to read it multiple times. The first question is, what? And that just means, what is it saying? It, write down on a piece of paper in your own words, what all is being said here? It might just be bullet points. It says this and this and this and this and this. So the first question is just what? Get clear on what it's saying. You may not understand every aspect of it, but write down what you do understand in clear terms so you're, you're thinking about it. First question is what? The second question is, so what? So this now, you're taking what you see that it says, and you're asking, so what? Why is this important? Why is this even in Scripture? Why would God want me to read this today? And then the third question, and I would encourage you to write these down, the questions and the answers as you read the passage. The third question, now what? So what? So what? Now what? Now what gets at the heart of what we've just seen I've seen what it says. I've thought about why it's important. Now what? Now what am I supposed to do with it? How do I adjust my life in response to it? Is there something to obey? Is there something to stop doing? Something to start doing? Is there just something to believe? Something I might need to write down and put on my mirror in my bathroom to remind me so I can believe it for real? Is there something to pray through? Is there something to rejoice in that I can praise God in prayer for? There, there's always some response when you hear from God and His Word. That's how you receive the grace of God in a fruitful way as Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, don't expect to dive into God's Word and be receiving all this fruitful benefit from it. The first step is to receive the, the entry point grace of Jesus Christ's forgiveness. And that's to repent of your sins, confess your sins before God, 
and receive Jesus' forgiveness that he offers to you. Become a Christian. Become new, like we talked about yesterday.